This is a main hustle media podcast. It sounds like one of the names they would have for a monarch. It's like Queen Javia the first, black radical queer, <laughs> Negro women. All the way from the A, you listen to my favorite lesbian on BRQ. Hey, stay locked in with your favorite lesbian on black radical queer. Yeah. Hey y'all, this is Javi Nicole, aka your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Black Radical Queer Podcast. I am your host, Javi Nicole. Um, as always, it is great to have you um, tuning in with me. I appreciate that. So I wanted to... Um, talk about wellness today. And, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I mentioned that this year, kind of like a mantra or a motto um, or a theme for this year for uh, on BRQ um, is that I wanted to talk a lot, a lot about um, us centering ourselves, center yourself. I, I kept using that. I keep using that particular uh, terminology, center yourself, um, because I think it's so important because we are in a world that does not center us, right? And um, this, the whole point of this particular outlet of me creating this is to have a space where um, Black queerness is centered. Um, and, and But I also feel like we um, should do that individually as well. We should center ourselves. So um, I wanted to, I guess the, the way that I wanted to focus on that today is in relationship to this concept of wellness. Okay, so I um, recently wrote a piece on wellness because it's something that I'm very uh, passionate about and something I think is so important. But I also think that it can seem like a very lofty concept, um, you know, and so folks can really be, I guess, confused or uncertain about where to start. Like, what does it mean to be well and how do I achieve that kind of thing? So I've started working on this series called The Pursuit of Wellness. And, um, you know, I'll be doing some writing and some um, some different episodes that specifically relate to the, the idea of wellness. So the first post that I wrote about it um, is about habituating self-care, habituating, making it a habit, right? Um, but what I wanted to do is, um, you know, kind of take a look at the way that self-care is portrayed in general and kind of uh, combat that because the way that it's portrayed, it can be something that's inaccessible. Uh, that doesn't seem like it can be achieved by the, the average person or like particularly the average marginalized person. So I think that um, it's something that I really that's like a personal mission of mine and in my uh, wellness brand, Sensual, my goal as a wellness coach is to uh, reframe the idea of wellness so that it is accessible to marginalized people, especially black people, especially black queer people, especially black women. <laughs> you know, um, I want that to be something that doesn't seem so um, abstract. OK, so in my writing and I'll include a link or something like that. So if you want to read my blog post um, that's related to this, you can do so. But um, 
yeah, I'll be, you know, kind of just talking about what I wrote about and um, and kind of also exploring it a little bit deeper um, since I'm talking to y'all. So what I did was I started out with um, just like a definition of wellness because we have to, you know, words mean things and we have to define things so that we know what the hell we're talking about. Um, we know what we're working with, right? So, you know, trusty, oh, trusty Google. I did a Google search for the word wellness. And the definition that came up was wellness is a noun that is the state of being in good health, especially as an actively pursued goal. Okay. So um, my, I guess, kind of what stood out to me about the definition is that it is, um, it talks about an actively pursued goal, something that is active as opposed to passive, right? So when we think about um, self-care, a lot of times the things that are portrayed um, just in our culture and in media and stuff like that, self-care is like, oh, it's getting a massage or it's getting a facial, having a spa day, um, or it's something like having a really indulgent meal or having a glass of wine or um, getting a pedicure or retail therapy, you know, going shopping, buying stuff that you like. Right. Um, And the thing about those particular activities that they all have in common is that they all cost money. (laughs) I mean, these are all things that cost money. And so I feel like they are very um, capitalistic and in some regards classes um, and So they are very much through this lens of um, capitalistic white supremacy, because when you look at those particular activities and the things that are shown as being self-care, you know, things that you can do for um, self-care, there are just a lot of uh, issues around accessibility that are not taken into consideration. For example, the, the first thing that comes to mind is if you're economically disadvantaged, if you are broke. How are you going to be going to the damn spa and buying expensive meals and going on shopping sprees and shit when you're just worried about like, look, I'm living check to check. I need to make sure I have money for rent, those kind of things. So it's it's, it's an elitist uh, kind of, I guess, elitist cultural norm that the things that are portrayed as as self-care cost money. You have to have some type of disposable income, right? Because Ain't nobody about to take from bill money to go to the spa because we also look at um, if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, we have to have our survival needs met first before we can move on to those higher level needs. So a spa day, you know, that's a higher level need in terms of like that's not a base priority over making sure you have food and clothing and shelter. Right. So you're going to make sure you have that first. Um, So that whole idea that like those things are what constitute self-care is very limiting. Um, It's not accessible. So it's not accessible to people who have limited financial resources. It's not accessible to, um, let's say, if someone is disabled, then what if them going to the spa is not something that is literally like physically accessible for them for a variety of reasons? So um, if it's, you know, it's not handicap accessible, it's not ADA compliant, or they don't have anyone who's uh, at the spa who's equipped to deal with this person's, um, their specific disability. And I don't just mean a physical thing because, you know, uh, doing all these things, too, that are particularly portrayed as self-care require you to kind of be out and about. And let's say for someone who has um, a developmental disability um, that, you know, is may not be something that is uh, 
noticed by just the naked eye type of thing. But I work with adults who have developmental disabilities and some of those uh, outings or interactions can be very awkward for them. It can be very uncomfortable for them. So they may not want to go to a spa. They may not want to have someone touching them, let alone touching them without uh, clothing. So um, so it's not um, a very accessible thing or for someone who is dealing with mental health issues, um, for instance, depression or anxiety, it may bring them anxiety to go to do those types of things. You go on shopping or you're getting these expensive meals and you have to be around people. Or if you're depressed and you don't, you don't even want to leave your house. So those are things that are not particularly accessible, right? So if that's what's uh, portrayed as self-care, it's very limiting. And so it makes it seem like it's not something that is attainable by the average person, particularly the average marginalized person. Okay, so back to this definition of wellness. Um, wellness is an actively pursued goal, right? So if it's an actively pursued goal, then it's something that is um, active, implies that it's deliberate. You know, there is not, um, it's not a passive thing. It's something that you're deliberately doing, consistently doing, because it's an actively pursued goal. So this is something you're constantly, uh, continuously working towards. And then when I look, think about the concept of good health, because it says it's a state of being in good health, what I perceive good health or what I understand good health to be is your overall well-being, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially. Um, so basically you being able to actively pursue the goal of being in a state of overall well-being in those areas. Right. And so it's, it's something that implies both deliberateness and continuousness, continuity. Okay. Um, and so just that, so the thought of that, um, the prospect of that can seem very overwhelming and very daunting for a marginalized person, particularly when the things that have been, you know, uh, described or touted or um, put out as, you know, your options for self-care are these things that are already inaccessible and don't really resonate with you and are not um, either, you know, like culturally sensitive to you or, uh, yeah, they're not accessible. Right. So my um, thought process, so in, in terms of my wellness coaching, my thought process is about making wellness this attainable, accessible, approachable thing. Um, it doesn't have to be something that is um, an abstract concept. OK, um, that self-care can actually be a tool. Um, so the way that it can be a tool is I, I feel like the way that, you know, it can become a tool for the average person is for it to be um, ritualized is the best way I can describe it. And so this whole idea of ritualizing it, um, what I mean by that is it becoming a part of your day-to-day life. So you you making your, um, the things that you do on a daily basis, you make those uh, the ways that you actively pursue the goal of wellness, Okay, so here's what I mean by that. We have our daily routines, um, and I think that it's it's so important for us to utilize those things as as our entry point for wellness because this is stuff that we have to do every day. So it's more accessible to us because whatever your daily routine looks like 
is accessible to you as opposed to you having to step outside of that and do something um, that's supposed to specifically be self-care. Okay, so um, so our daily routine. So let's say, for instance, we look at, um, you know, you okay, you get up in the morning. Let's say you do you have breakfast like you get up in the morning, you have breakfast um, before you go to work. Okay, so whether you're making breakfast or someone else is making breakfast, if you set a um, let's say a a way to ritualize it, because when you're uh, just kind of on the go and you're used to your routine, it becomes this sort of passive thing. You we we start to operate in uh, autopilot. Okay, so if we take it out of the realm of autopilot and we start uh, approaching it deliberately, then. That is uh, really a step in us helping to ritualize it Um, and the difference in it being ritualized as opposed to it being autopilot is it being active versus passive. And And so the reasoning behind making that shift is because when we make it this active, deliberate thing, then it can uh, help us to uh, work toward our wellness, utilizing something that we already have to do. Okay, so let's use the example of breakfast. Okay, so, you know, you make breakfast in the morning. So let's say you uh, schedule. So let's say, like, instead of you just kind of like, okay, I'm looking at what time it is, you know, kind of like rolling out the bed at any time um, and going ahead and doing your breakfast. Um, Like, let's say you hit snooze five times, whatever. Um, ritualizing it, let's say you set a specific time or you give yourself a specific time frame at some time between, you know, seven to seven thirty, I'm going to get up. I'm going to um, make my breakfast or whatever. I'm going to have whatever it is that you're going to have for breakfast. And let's say you say I'm going to have tea or coffee or something like that as a part of it. And during that time, I'm going to only focus on that. So um, I'm not going to check emails at the same time. I'm not going to, um, you know, read the newspaper at the same time. I'm going to just breathe, eat my food, that kind of thing. Now, for some people, you know, it may or may not work because let's say you don't get a chance to do breakfast in the morning or you have no choice but to check emails and work, you know, while you're doing breakfast and stuff like that. So then it's about finding some other time in your day that you can, some other thing that you can ritualize and be fully present in it without having other things be a distraction or hindrance. Okay, so we can look at the scope of our whole day. Um, You know, you might be able to have, um, let's say during your lunch break, you may be able to go for a walk and that be your time you know, where you just get to reset and, you know, not really focus on everything else. Or, you know, you say, oh, well, instead of me eating something I used to do at my old job, I stopped eating at my desk. I started taking my lunch outside and eating outside and, you know, just not um, so that I'm not at my work computer, you know what I'm saying? And kind of like absentmindedly working on things while I'm just kind of trying to eat. I'm like, let me actually take my break and and leave out so doing that type of thing or in the evening time you know let's say you have your um you know you don't get to do those things throughout the day but you uh do your shower or your bath in the evening so ritualizing that by saying okay well I'm gonna have this 
I'm going to have like my music that I like to play. I'm going to have my candles that I like to have. I'm going to have these particular oils or something like that. Or even if it's just as simple as when I'm uh, during this time, I'm just not going to have anyone bother me or distract me or anything like that. My bath time, my shower time is just my time so I can reset. I can do, you know, you can do some type of um, meditation because there are different breathing exercises and meditation and stuff that you can do without having to be, you know, like sitting cross leg on the floor or something like that. Um, so you could just kind of focus on um how you know how your day went just things like that so instead of it being like oh I have to go out and buy things and spend money it's just you know there are little habits that you can cultivate which is why I say like about habituating self-care there are habits that you can cultivate that are just a part of your everyday life that you can do and the importance of it being a, a daily practice or a regular practice is so that it becomes a baseline it becomes a default as opposed to only being done as a response to crisis or trauma, because that's the other piece too. Um, self-care is looked at as something we do only when we are struggling, only when we've had a bad day, only when someone has pissed us off or, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's not looked at as a regular consistent practice. It's just looked at, oh, well, when things get particularly hard, when you're drained, then, you know, do some self-care. But my thought process is that if we habituate the practice of self-care and we make it a part of our regular routines, then that gives us a baseline of wellness to work with. So it gives us a foundation. So we always have these moments in our day where we're kind of refocusing and recentering and um, being very present and not, you know, having 50 million things going on. It gives us those times to check in with ourselves. So whether that's first thing in the morning, okay, let me have this little quiet moment. Let me do this three-minute meditation. Let me, you know, have those things. Let me write something really quick or let me um, chat with a loved one or something like that. Let me do these things each day and, and it'd be something that's, you know, on a regular basis, ideally daily. That's why I really think it's important to incorporate it into your daily routine and to work with things that you already do instead of having to start from scratch. But you know, working on those things consistently so that if you do have something come up, you're not scrambling. You're not scrambling because you haven't been doing anything uh, to focus on your wellness. So if you already have at least a foundation, a baseline, you know, of wellness in those situations, if you have to deal with crisis or stress, you have something to build on. You're not starting from scratch. You already know you have something to build on. Um, and so it can be really comforting and reassuring to to operate from that place. Okay. So I just think it's something that's very important, especially, especially for people who are marginalized because our care is not centered at all. And of course, self-care is not the end all be all at all. Like there are so many other things that we need. Um, I was reading this article that was talking about um, mothers and saying like, you know, self-care, like mothers need support, like self-care is not going to do it. And um, I agree. Like we also need support because we are not islands at no matter how individualistic our um, society may seem ultimately we are not these isolated entities we do rely on one another in some capacity we do need each other in some capacity and as human beings um our species i mean we we are interconnected and we need that connection right however 
Um, so that's not to say that self-care is the end all be all or like it is a replacement. It's not. It's a starting point because my whole um, thought process is that the goal is to have a place to start is to have a baseline, a foundation to build on. Right. Because if you are able to have these things that you ritualize and that you make a part of your daily routine, then it helps you to be in that state of mind where you can um, have those different connections and make those connections and operate from a at least a, a baseline of wellness as opposed to um, in response to stress. It allows you to be more proactive instead of reactive. You know, you don't only have to be in this position of responding to things. And we um, and that's very common, so especially when you are marginalized in some way, because we deal with shit on an everyday basis. And that's the other part about making it a part of the daily routine. We deal with some manifestation of oppression. We deal with some manifestation of that every day, whether it's some kind of microaggression or whatever. We deal with it on a daily basis. So it's, you know, um, I think it's fitting that we uh, address our wellness on a daily basis because it's something that is impacted daily. And so it really is just kind of like if you are, um, you know, kind of creating a foundation for a home or, you know, you're kind of putting on your undergarments or you putting on what you put on under your armor or something like that. That's the whole uh, that's the whole point of it. Not to be the end all be all. We need more than self-care. We need, um, you know, professional help as well. We need uh, robust support systems, you know, and we need a, a really ultimately a dismantling <laughs> of, you know, this oppressive system that we're existing in. Um, but it gives us a starting point. And the, having that place to start is so important so that we don't feel like um, we're just out here and we have n- no way to kind of like ground ourselves. And I found I feel like in my, you know, work with marginalized people and in my conversations with, you know, clients and, you know, people who are just close to me, family, friends, et cetera. um, A lot of times people just don't know where to start. It's like we're all like, oh, well, I want to be healthier. I want to be, you know, whatever that looks like. I want my health to improve um, physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera. But I don't know where to start. So. Um, making self-care a daily habit and um, not just a habit, but a ritual, because I I feel like the ritualizing it makes it deliberate. And, you know, it's something that we do in a certain way each day. Not to be boring or anything, but just to give ourselves uh, give ourselves that that uh, consistency that we can rely on in, in a world that doesn't give us a whole lot of things to rely on. It gives us that basis for that. And so it answers that question of when people are like, well, where where do I start if I'm just trying to um, be healthier, be well, like holistically be well? I think that it's a good place to begin. So, um, yeah, so that's why um, as I look at this whole concept of kind of like centering ourselves and stuff like that, what that looks like, I think a huge part of that is centering our wellness, centering our healing and us being able to um, put self-care into practice in a way that is accessible to us um, and in a way that is not uh, solely a response to crisis and stress, but as something that is a uh, consistent daily habitual default baseline or whatever practice, I should say a daily ritual practice, um, 
that it would just uh, help us to be able to begin that work so that it doesn't seem so daunting. Because the idea of like, oh, I want to do these things so I can, you know, be in better health overall or I can improve my mental, emotional, spiritual, you know, whatever health. It just sounds like a tall order. So I think it's, you know, important for us to know, at least have some baby steps, you know, something we can do and build up on. Because really, once we have those checkpoints, you know, we have those moments throughout the day, whether it's one, two, three, whatever, where we can really check in with ourselves, our bodies, be in tune with ourselves without um, anything, without uh, anybody else interfering, interfering with that. I think if we could do that, then it can set the tone for us to be able to do um, more healing work and more work toward wellness. Um, and it'll make it not be so overwhelming when we have something to work with and have some a place to start. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, if you want to, um, you know, read what I wrote about the pursuit of wellness and it's something that's going to be ongoing, um, I'm going to just try to write about different topics and stuff that I feel like um, pertains to this pursuit of wellness because I do feel like it's something that we should pursue. And if not us, then who? I mean, we need it more than anybody. I mean, we really need need um, this. Uh, we need that to be a possibility for us, right? And we need it to be something that we can strive toward. So it's something that I'll continue to write about, um, you know, different things that factor into our wellness. But I feel like this is kind of the beginning. So I know I mentioned, uh, you know, like creating a ritualizing like around like, let's say your breakfast time or when you get up in the morning. Um, something that could be really uh, powerful to do is meditation. And I know a lot of times meditation sounds very kind of frou-frou to people and not necessarily relevant to all folks. but um, I definitely think it is. And I think there there are a lot of different ways that it can look. So it doesn't have to be that cliche kind of image of someone sitting on the floor, legs crossed, and they're, you know, chanting or, um, you know, saying "Om" or, you know, that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, it can be as simple as uh, just doing a breathing exercise. It can be a quick meditation. Something that I really like to do is um like a three minute meditation or a five minute meditation because meditation is also hard. So starting with something quick can really be helpful, but just having a moment where let's say first thing in the morning, you know, you wake up, you drink your water and you're like, okay, while I'm in the shower, I'm going to do, you know, take that time to also do my uh, breathing exercises or, you know, when I, uh, during a portion of my break, I only get a 30 minute break. So let me spend, you know, one or two or three minutes of that doing a quick uh, meditation. And they have different options on YouTube and stuff like that. Or you can create your own. Um, if you have your own like mantras or whatever, that's something that you can repeat to yourself. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, a lot of folks think, oh, I can't clear my mind. I can't stop thinking. It's OK, because once you put something into practice, it'll become a little bit easier over time. So you can just say, I'm going to give myself something to focus on, which is what I did initially. I gave myself something to focus on or I would repeat a mantra in my head. So I would like repeat a mantra in my head or out loud, depending on where I was, uh, let's say for a minute. 
just for a minute or you know just kind of uh, choose my thing I want to focus on whether it's like I'm going to just focus on my breath I'm going to make sure I inhale fully exhale fully and only focus on that for a minute or for three minutes or whatever so there are different ways that we can implement um, implement uh, self-care on a regular basis we can do things like stretch you know we can schedule a nap you know if you get a break in your day you're and you find that you are kind of like crashing at some point um because rest is so important and we're walking around chronically uh chronically rest deprived and sleep deprived so we can really benefit from more rest we can benefit from like listening to music if that's something that resonates with you um you just take the time to say okay i'm going to um, pause for a moment and listen to this song and only focus on the song you know whether you're singing whatever and not worried about anything else um so we have you know we have to kind of create those opportunities for ourselves and so in part part of my wellness coaching is kind of helping folks on an individual basis figure out what those moments look like for them based on their day-to-day lives but I just think that it's very it could be very impactful and at least for me because I don't um I don't say this basically like I'm not telling you to do something that I have not done and I know that for me, it has made a big difference as someone who is, you know, y'all already know, um, you know, I deal with depression and stuff like that. And um, but it has made a huge difference for me and um, creating those moments on a regular basis, uh, even when I'm feeling at my lowest, you know, my low doesn't look the way it used to look because I have some type of baseline to work with. So. You know, I can still do those things. I still kind of do my little daily self-care practices regardless. I'll still do them and it'll help um, me to maintain that baseline so that I'm not in crisis mode anytime I feel low or anything like that. Okay, so um, that's what I wanted to talk about today. <laughs> Hopefully uh, I didn't ramble too much, but um, if you would like to read uh, what I wrote, you know, I'll have a link included and um, I want to read like a quick um, part of um, what I wrote. OK, so. So, of course, I mentioned that it's called, um, you know, habituating self-care, this idea of making it a habit. Right. So I wrote so uh, to habituate self-care, that is to make it a default or consistent way of operating instead of only being a response to stress. Okay. Self-care has to both be, has to be both accessible and proactive. So for it to be accessible, it needs to be attainable by marginalized people, especially because we need it the most. And for it to be proactive, it needs to become a habit, part of one's daily routine. And that's the goal. So the goal is it being some type of practice that is accessible to you, um, and that you can do proactively, so you can do on a regular basis. And for, you know, most of us marginalized people, going to the spa or buying a bunch of shit is not something that we can do on a regular basis. And ultimately, doing those things um, 
you know, you're spending money. So it's like if you end up spending money on some stuff, then that's not necessarily and you don't have it to spend. Then that's actually uh, counterintuitive to your wellness, because part of your wellness is your financial well-being. So I can't say, you know, OK, well, I have rent due, but I really, you know, I really need some self-care. So let me go take some some money out of my rent and go to the spa. So now I've put myself in a state of um, financial crisis or, you know, that. And so it doesn't it ends up not helping. I have that kind of reprieve for that little moment. But then I now I'm in a worse situation or now I have another um, situation to deal with the financial crisis. So um, and that's not our reality. You know, folks are out here trying to make it. And we're, you know, uh, especially with my age group, I'm 30. So a lot of us, I mean, we are really suffering from um, the impact of uh, having tons of student loan debt and not getting the requisite, um, like a benefit. That's what I'm looking for, a benefit from all this money we spent to go to school. Um, A lot of us are staying home longer, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of us are overworked and underpaid. So we don't have the luxury. Those are luxury types of things. Massages and shopping sprees and stuff are um, luxury. And I really am against this idea that self-care is a luxury. It shouldn't have to be a luxury thing. It should be something that is a um, accessible daily practice. It shouldn't just only be accessible to those who have money. I'm very opposed to that, and I think it's very capitalistic. Um, and it's very, it's just kind of like another uh, way to keep us oppressed, really, because then it, it makes it seem like, oh, well, if you can't do these things, you can't really care for yourself or like it's less than like if you do something else um, to care for yourself, then it's not um, as impactful or it's it's not really self-care like real self-care is getting a massage. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, no, these things that we do on a daily basis, because let's be clear, these things, these are the things that we do to survive. And in a world that does not want you to survive, let alone thrive, you actively pursuing your survival and you actively pers- and you making that into opportunities to pursue wellness is a radical act. It's a revolutionary act um, and it's an act of self-care and it really reframes this whole idea of self-care um, and it makes it something that's accessible to the, the regular ass people. So um, and that's very, very important to me. Um, you don't have to feel like, oh, well, this um if I just do a quick little meditation, that's not as impactful or not as meaningful or it's not real, you know, um, oh, that's not as good as me sitting down for an hour and chanting and stuff like that. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to look the way that it's been portrayed for it to be real and for it to be meaningful. And so I really want for us as especially, you know, black queer folks, black folks, black women, um, folks who are marginalized, disabled people, um, I really want for us to be able to look at um, look at it differently and look at it as something that we can do, you know, every single day. So I think I've said that enough. <laughs> um, I do appreciate you all tuning in. Um, wellness is something that's very important to me. And in this whole, uh, in my goal, in my kind of mantra of, Center yourself or uh, centering ourselves for this year. Um, I really think that, and, and not just for this year, of course, this is like forever, right? But um, I just wanted to make a deliberate effort to um, 
to focus on it, you know, in episodes or whatever, because it's not something that we really talk about and we need healing and we need care. And so us starting with what we do on a regular basis uh, can really help us to get toward that. So um, and I just really want for us to understand that being well is a possibility for us, despite all the evidence to the contrary, because we are bombarded. We are bombarded with um, messages that basically tell us we cannot be well. All we can do is basically exist and work. And that is so limiting. It's so depressing. It's so um, problematic. And so we need to be able to understand that that is not what the entirety of our lives have to have to be. Our lives can be structured in a way where we do have some type of modicum of wellness, even if it's just this daily thing that we do, um, that we do have an opportunity to um, to care for ourselves and to be cared for, um, regardless of what else is going on. So I think that um, it's just very important. So that's why I wanted to talk to you all <laughs> about it. So I would love, of course, your feedback. Um, and you can, you know, uh, comment, uh, on the episode, you can comment on what I wrote. Um, so far, uh, the feedback that I've gotten has been really good. So I appreciate that. Um, because we are, um, we're deprived, like we are so deprived of care, um, of self-care and care from others. We're, we're the caregivers, we're the caretakers, you know, um, you know, black people in general, and then especially black women, um, like black women and women of color are largely those ones who give care. We we have to take care of everybody. And that's something that is has been shown historically. That's something that is intergenerational. Just all across the board, we are taking care of motherfuckers. <laughs> um, but who takes care of us and when do we take care of ourselves? So really putting self-care into practice is that way for us to push back on that idea that we only exist to care for other people and to be for other people. Um, we can really show up for ourselves in the way that we um, show up for other people. So, all right, y'all. Well, I definitely appreciate you tuning in. Um, just be on the lookout for more episodes on um, wellness specifically. I will be kind of looking at it from different uh, angles or like different facets, I should say, different facets of what constitute this pursuit of wellness and kind of the things that um, we need to be aware of or just um, how we can make it more tangible. You know, um, it's just a, looked at as a very abstract thing. And I would like for it to be something that we see as a tangible thing that we can actually um, grab hold of, not like, oh, well, that's white people stuff or, oh, well, that's something I won't be able to do until I get to such and such a place in my life. And it's just not true. It's something we can start pursuing immediately. And once I realized that and once I actually started um, putting it into practice on a regular basis in those small ways, it has just had such a big impact. And I want for other people to benefit from that, too. And the people who I've worked with, who I've you know worked with to, to do that as well, um, just kind of in a wellness coaching capacity, um, it has helped them as well. So um, I hope that it's something that can help you or at least get you to start thinking about um, things that you can do to work towards your own wellness on a regular basis. What are the small things you can implement? You know, what are the daily activities that you can ritualize so that self-care becomes a habit and it becomes this proactive thing and this consistent thing for you? 
um, because we deserve. <laughs> um, all right, y'all. Well, it's been real as always. Um, I appreciate you tuning in. Um, I'm looking forward to the upcoming things that I have um, planned to put out for y'all. Um, as always, know that you can hit me up. You can reach out. Um, you can slide in my DMs on Facebook, um, on the Black Radical Queer Podcast page. You can slide in my DMs on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, I'm accessible uh, because I really want to get your feedback and share your stories and have that engagement with you because y'all are why I do it. Um, I'm grateful that the listenership continues to grow. Um, my goal was to hit 10K 10,000 downloads uh, within my first year, like by the time I hit my anniversary, which is not until um, July that I want to hit 10K. And I am like close to eight, y'all. So this is March right now, April, May, June, July. So four months. So I'm thinking, you know, it's looking real promising (laughs) that I'm going to hit 10K uh, well before that year, which is amazing to me. Um, my very first episode dropped in, um, it was actually in June, but it was just like a little promo, like, hey, this is what's coming up. This is why I'm doing this. So it wasn't like actually a full episode. My first full episode dropped in July. So um, I just look forward to seeing what stuff looks like by the time I hit July, like where, what my numbers are looking like. Um, y'all have been consistently rocking with me and the numbers are growing. Um, I have like my core you know, listeners that uh, tune in and then I have people who are coming in, they go back and listen to the old episodes. So it's just uh, every single time blows my mind. I'm very excited about it. And so I want for you all to feel, I want you all to know how important you are to me and that, um, you know, your stories are important and that I want to showcase them and that I want this to be a platform for them. And I hope that I can be a resource to you. Um, with the platform and just me sharing the stuff that I know from my little corner of the world (laughs) in my field um, in regards to wellness and social justice and stuff like that, because those are the things I'm passionate about. So um, I appreciate you all. Thank you all for the feedback you've given me for all the love that you're showing. And um, yeah, I'll get with y'all next time. (laughs) All right, y'all. Black Radical Queer Podcast is all about intersectionality and Black queer folks sharing our stories on our own terms. We navigate an array of identities and BRQ is an outlet where we can see the spectrum of those identities reflected, explored, and celebrated. Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javi Nicole, produced and edited by Charmaine Johnson. Music is by Publicity. You can find us on social media by looking up Black Rat Queer. It's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We are on um, Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter. Same handle regardless at Black Rat Queer. B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We also have a Facebook discussion group that's just called BRQ Discussion Group. And you can also listen wherever you get your podcast. So we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Google Play, you know, all those types of things. And we have, you know, our home base that's on Lipson, so you can listen on there as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure you come on back around next week to see uh, what we have for you. And all right, y'all, I'm out. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.